Your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. how we start <laughs> I thought we started with I am recording no no <laughs> I am recording yeah we're doing we're we're going very very um new wave I, I'm uh, also it. recording I am recording uh anyway welcome back to special presentation <laughs> with Mike and Ethan or elf will not be seen tonight so well over the last couple of episodes, we've been discussing the concept of dreams, especially in the uh, in the Snoopy story, uh, "What a Nightmare, Charlie Brown." This tonight, we are going deeper into dreams than ever before, and deeper into, I think, cartoon history than ever before, with yep. Little Nemo in Slumberland. Yeah, this is a uh, uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland, uh, the nineteen eighty nine animated film based on the. What is it like? Eighteen ninety comic strip. Nineteen ten. Oh, nineteen ten. Oh, that's whatever. That's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> it's twentieth century. Yeah, just um, wait till we get to the Yellow Kid cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, this was uh, Windsor. Good old Windsor McKay. Yes. Uh, our audience will probably know him best as Little Nemo in Slumberland. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, the dinosaur, Gertie the dinosaur, I think. Yes, Gertie the, the dinosaur. She makes a. I think that's Gertie making a cameo in this movie. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. I remember. I remember Gertie from when I was a kid because I like dinosaurs. So I, <laughs> I remember seeing like you know in my in the book Hollywood Dinosaur, which I think I've mentioned in previous episodes, which I bought from Scholastic in third grade, which was those like those those cheapo pulp books that they just churned out, you know, to sell to kids. And oh, like I love those. Yeah, you you know the you know the sort. Um, uh, it was the history of dinosaurs in film, and it had a whole section about how did you know the first cartoon star is a dinosaur? And I was like, what? What the fuck? Get out of here! <laughs> That's amazing. I was so excited. Anyway, um, Windsor McKay, he, he did it. And yes, um, Windsor McKay was a pioneer in the field of animation as well as a very accomplished cartoonist. He is best known for Little Nemo, but he also did a number of other comic strips. My favorite of which, which we talked about before, is very similar to Little Nemo. It's called uh, The Dreams of the Rarebit Fiend. And Oh, wait a second. So they're not the same thing. No, they're not. I've heard you confuse them on the show before, but no. Rarebit and Little Nemo are to two totally different things. They're both about okay. dreams, of course, but the Rarebit Fiend is always features a different person, and you're never quite sure who in the story is dreaming until they wake up in the last panel. With Little yeah. Nemo, it's always about Nemo, and there's a recurring cast of characters in the dream, which also doesn't show up in Rarebit Fiend. Hmm. Okay. Does Little Nemo wake up and go, ah, ooh, 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 ooh. Yes, he does. Rarebit. Frequently. Oh, he does? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, not I Rarebit, but... Uh, I definitely found one where he woke up going, oh, it was only a dream. And his mother said, I told you you would dream if you ate those donuts. 
<laughs> oh, I didn't know they had donuts in 1910. <laughs> yes, those newfangled donuts. You know, you know those old-fashioned donuts? Back then, they were just called donuts. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, I would think in 1910, they'd be eating, like, I don't know, um, butter churns and penny-farthing <laughs> bicycles. I, you know, another... Um, I don't Mustache know. Mustache wax. What would they eat in 1910? Just a lot of aspic, I think. <laughs> in 1910, uh, people were just starting to get ice boxes and refrigerators, so there was probably a lot more fresh food being being eaten as opposed as opposed to just whatever was available. I think that was when canning had gotten started too. So that's right. It's the, I, the era of uh, oyst, canned oysters and um, uh, raccoon fat. I watched a. Wizard of Oz movie made by L. Frank Baum himself, where at one point they deal with the witch by putting her in a can. So it very well, that was very modern, very now. Well, <laughs> what's funny is that it's a preserve, a can of preserved sandwiches, and it takes so oh. long for them to Ooh. make the joke where they paint out the sand part of sandwiches. And that so it just says canned witch that you're like that. In that time, you're able to just completely dissect the joke in your head. And you're like, wait, first of all, you spelled sandwich wrong. And second of all, preserved sandwiches? Now, was was that a thing? Because I know now when you go, you can go to like the grocery store and um, they'll, they'll, you can get the giant can with a whole chicken in it. You ever oh, seen yeah. those things? I, I've yeah. seen those. Yeah. I, they go well with the canned bread from B&M. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, is that a thing? Yeah, you can get that in the uh, canned aisle at Winco. Oh, I've I've never actually looked. Uh, I I never found saw the canned bread, so I guess I wasn't looking. <laughs> um, man, uh, the, the can uh, technology it's amazing. You can can all sorts of things these days. It's um, you ever seen Hell's a Poppin? You know that movie? Oh, the the one with uh, Olsen and Johnson. Yeah, yeah, that one. Where they have where the the. The beginning part where the devils are putting like people in cans. It's all like canned guy, canned gal. <laughs> and it, canned envy. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, that's a thing back then. <laughs> um, anyway, back to, um, back to Windsor McKay. Um, should we say, what, what should we, what do we need to tell the audience about little Nemo, the comic strip before we. Well, let's see. Little Nemo is the kind of thing that, People like Bill Watterson are like, oh, that's what comics should be. Oh, remember when we had a whole broadsheet to ourselves to tell basically no story. We still fit it into like <laughs> tiny, tiny little bubbles, but the drawings were huge. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it, honestly. <laughs> For Christmas, I received a copy of a collection of the... Uh, of uh, queer visitors from the marvelous land of Oz. And it's almost exactly like that. It's like, except there's a whole lot more text. It's mm. almost like a, like a very short little golden book just spread out with its pages as each panel. Oh, huh. It's, it's very odd. And you know, the art is not that great, but at the same time, wow. <laughs> Wizard of Oz comic strip. And of course, I... everyone ends with what did the woggle bug say? What did the Wogglebug say? You know, they forgot to include it in this volume. Oh, my God. <laughs> I now will never know. <laughs> Jeez, what a what a disappointment. Oh, well, I know what the uh, Wogglebug said. 
the what Woggle Bug, yeah, the Woggle Bug said, "Oh, um, ooh, what a dream! Ooh, <laughs> must have been the rare bit. Ooh, um." <laughs> oh man, yep. Uh, so that is um, that's not only of that, the strip. Now there's this the movie. This movie, which is probably the second best thing that people know Nemo's second best from, the first being the still beloved Nintendo game, which was oh ostens- the Dreammaster. Yeah, it was ostensibly based on this movie, but I think it got an English release before the movie did. So huh. I played the game long before I saw the movie released on VHS, and I was like, "Is this movie based on that video game that wasn't a big hit? Really? Huh." <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I have never played the game, did not know about the game until I actually was Googling a little Nemo in preparation for this um, episode. And was like, oh, there is a game. Huh. Um, I actually did see this movie in the theater when it came out, though. Did uh, you? I didn't. Yeah. Uh, 1989. I believe I was the only person in the theater watching it. Mm. Uh, I was on a military base, you know, and so... um, and I believe it was a matinee, so not a lot of people were showing up for Little Nemo in Slumberland on a on a Wednesday. Um, but um, I remember enjoying it at the time, and watching it again. Eh. <laughs> we were talking about this before we started, and I feel that the Little Nemo movie is a impressive failure, a spectacular failure. It's not yeah. great, but. In some ways, it kind of doesn't, it's kind of not supposed to be. (laughs) But because now when you sit down to watch the movie, the first thing you get is a long blank screen with credits and a song over it, which is like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Not a good sign, but also I I feel like, well, it was 1989 and this, this was a thing back then. Like people just didn't put a lot of effort into their credit sequences for kids movies um almost i feel like every don bluth movie kind of just started this way yeah but the thing is looking at the credits now did you recognize some of the names there's some big names in this um big odo names. from odo from d space nine is in it uh yes. renee uh, ambergris or whatever his <laughs> yeah um he plays professor genius and um, they list like every name in the opening credits. Uh, June Foray has a single line in this thing, and yes. he gets a credit in the opening credits. Um, but Basically, any any voice actor you can think of was in it. Will what, Frank Welker was in it, of course. He's Icarus, but uh, I heard John Stevenson twice. John Stevenson yeah. is Mr. Slate, so and you can definitely hear him using his Mr. Slate voice for the uh, Zeppelin, Zeppelin captain. Yeah. But um, I heard and, uh, I saw Nancy Alan, Cartwright in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alan Oppenheimer is in this. Yes. Um, another. Um, yeah. Uh, Tress McNeil is in this. Greg in, Berger. In, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. And, there, and a lot of them literally have one or two lines. But, yeah, they get top billing. So I wonder um, how much of this was. Uh, well, we can't pay you, but we'll put your name right at the front in the credits. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and then now outside of the voice actors, I see credits for Ray Bradbury for the story treatment. Yes. Um, I was looking up uh, the production of Little Nemo. It, it, <laughs> I love <yeah>. the story. 
And uh, well, do you want do you want to tell it? I think you you. Uh... I told it before. I want to hear the, your version of it. <laughs> okay, so apparently, um, uh, there there were a lot of different people who were brought on to write this thing, and um, it, it had it seems to have had a troubled history. Uh, but one one of the things that happened was apparently um, Ray Bradbury was writing this. And they, someone, someone asked him like, Oh, are you writing little Nemo? He's like, Oh, I'm just writing to whatever, like those wonderful pictures they're doing. And then they went to the animators and they said, Oh, we're just animating whatever this wonderful story Ray Bradbury's doing. And it's like, <laughs> so it's kind of like, who's driving the car. <laughs> uh, but you didn't mention who was telling that story. Oh, uh, who was? Uh, it remind was Brad me. Bird, the director of the Iron Giants. So oh, he, that's right. He knows troubled productions. <laughs> that I believe. Yeah, reading it said that like he left very shortly after this experience. <laughs> yes. um, but yeah, there were like a lot of different people were were. Uh, I think like five different people were brought in to write the screenplay. Um, and, and let's see the visuals. You they I see. Uh, Frank and Ollie, who were the who for for a long time the last remaining members of Disney's Nine Old Men, some of the most yeah. uh, some of the best known animators in the business. And I saw Mobius, and I saw Brian Froud. Yes, <laughs> and I was like, wow, wow, wow! And then yeah. script Chris Columbus. Uh yeah. oh. Um, not to mention also, uh, apparently at one point, um, Miyazaki was working on this. Yeah. And you can definitely see it in the actual thing. No, first things first, this movie is beautiful. Yeah. And lots of slime in it. Lots of slime. Oh boy. Miyazaki's involved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it, it is a beautiful movie. It's, it looks great. It's, um, you know what it looks like? You can, when you're watching this, you can tell like. You know, it's you can tell it's Japanese. It's got yes. it's got a lot of anime influence, but you can also tell that they just fucking love Disney, and they really wanted this to be like Disney level. Yeah, animation. yeah. This so, this movie was a big production of Tokyo Movie Shinsha, who are one of the best uh, anime studios in the business. That uh, aren't a well, not yeah that that are just a production company rather than actually you know doing the writing and scripting themselves. They just they just do work for hire, but this was them trying to move into being a, a big name studio like Disney, and it didn't work out. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as we go through, I think you'll figure. Well, you know what? I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, this was a 1989 film, and so this was kind of what I think of as the beginning of the era of the Disney also rans. Well. It was the it was when the Disney also rans became the Disney also rans because 1989 was when the Little Mermaid came out. Mm. So suddenly oh, nothing looked as good because Disney was like, "All right, spread out. I'm going to show you how it's done." Yeah. But this is when we start getting things like, you know, um Quest for Camelot, uh Once Upon a Forest, uh you know, uh, what what is that one? Uh, happily, happily twice... ever after. I was happily going to after. say this is like a filmation movie. Yeah, yeah, um, ex- yeah. It is. I mean, it looks much better than a filmation movie. Yes, it does. Of course, you know, a filmation movie. It'd be like, oh, uh, the characters, oh, they're only their mouths move, and occasionally they punch the the screen. They punch into the screen <laughs> at the viewer. Uh, most in importantly, com- you keep showing the same shot over and over again, as Buzz told us. 
Especially yes. as many times as you can use that shot of the little dwarf woman rubbing mud into her armpits. Use that like five <laughs> or six times. <laughs> yeah. Um, mud you learned a lot about animation. Um, but <laughs> this, uh, this one, um, you know, the, the, it's, it's, the animation is is gorgeous. The the art is great. It's just the script is very much like a filmation script. Yeah, it it's uh, I mean it's very predictable, and at the same yeah. time, there's a lot of oh my god, don't oh my god, no, you you idiot, no, yeah. no. <laughs> it's the problem is this movie. It's like you can tell that like okay, they they brought in lots of different people to do the script, and this is kind of cobbled together, and. It's an hour and a half, which doesn't seem that long, but nothing <laughs> happens for the first 45 minutes. It's just kind of like lollygagging around Slumberland being cute, you know? I wonder um, how much of that is based on trying to work as many actual strips into it as possible. Oh, well, that, that, that would explain it. I mean, it, it's kind of a shame because you can really see there's some... You know, there's a lot of love and care put into this, and some of the scenes are really good and interesting. And when you look at the just... names, and when you look at the actual product that was put out, you can tell that this was intended to be a prestige project. This yeah. was intended to be something that would be, you know, looked at in film schools, but something went really wrong. Yeah. It ended up being something that is best watched in 10-minute increments on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> So you just see like, oh, the best of Little Nemo and Slumberland. Because if you try and watch the whole film, you, you kind of, I don't know. I was kind of like, God, how much more is this? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I wrote in my notes that this movie probably works a whole lot better if you find it while flipping through channels on cable rather than yeah. trying to watch yes. it from beginning to end. Because, you know, I was, it was at about the part where Nemo is flying on the bed and all of his friends are merged into a big blob holding him on. Yeah, it's <laughs> that I was like, influence. That I was like, you know what? This movie's kind of weird. But this, yeah. But if I came on this while flipping through channels, I'd be like, holy shit, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, so there's, I mean, there's a, a lot about this movie. There, There is a lot going on here, as you yeah. say. Yeah. Might... Um, might end up doing a two-parter here. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we we may we we may. So, um, <clears throat> should we actually talk about the uh, the actual film? Just go yes. through it and see what we got in this. Yeah. Right. The first part of the movie. Well, the first part is this long ass song about oh, little Nemo, what a what kind of wonderful dreams are you weaving in that sweet little head of yours? And then just kind of kind of comes to a sad little end, and you're just like, what was that? It was that, was that the movie? You know, and the, then you the get, thing is, then oh, you get a short. Oh uh, yeah, the, the 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 flying bed thing, right? Yeah, the flying bed. The there is first of all, we get this whole thing where Nemo rides on his bed, where he's asleep in his bed, and we get to see there's lots of planes hanging from his uh, hanging from his ceiling, and you know because this is an '80s movie, I was surprised that there wasn't an X-wing fighter in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. You know, uh, and then, <clears throat> sorry, go on. Yeah, his bed takes off, and his bed takes off with him in it, and you can very much tell this was supposed to be silent, because every place he talks, his mouth doesn't move at all. Yeah, they did that thing where they were like, look, we can't trust the audience to pay attention when there isn't chatter going on. So they, they basically thief and the cobbler did. Yeah, so he's like, Am I, is my bed flying? 
It is. My bed really is flying. I'm riding in my bed over the town. Hey, look, there's me in the streets in the puddles. Wow. Yeah, they're doing that speed racer thing where it's like there has to be constant narration. Um, it's it's kind of unfortunate because this sequence is really cool. I mean, it is. The, it's that beautiful. Si- the city well, it's all beautiful, fine. but this part especially. Yeah. I like when it, the dream starts kind of going bad and, you know, you can sort of see how the, the buildings are a little more decrepit. And yeah, the ruined it, it city. Gets, yeah, and that is a very cool shot. Also, when the bed kind of goes underwater, but it's not really underwater, which was a, a neat little thing. Like it kind of this whole sequence actually did feel like a dream. Yeah. One of my biggest complaints about dream media is that they so rarely capture what it is actually like to be in a dream. And, and this did a fairly good job, this opening yeah. sequence, I thought. The rest uh, of the movie, not so much, but this really no. did feel like, you know, what happens in a dream and how you just suddenly you're doing something else. And then and it, yeah. it just makes perfect sense to you. Did you um, notice okay. that there were a couple of cameos? I did not. Like uh, what, At what one cameos? point... When he's flying, just as he's come out of his house, you'll see an owl in a tree and you only see it from the back. But that is very clearly Winnie the Pooh's friend owl. Oh, I did not even notice that. Yeah. And also you see a cat that runs away from him as he's driving by. And you will again, you only see the cat really from behind. But I think it might be Gigi from Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, you know what? I think you might be right. That cat did look. Did, well, it looked like a Miyazaki cat, so yes, uh, I'll buy that. They may um, have. I don't. I forget if Kiki had actually even come out by now. He, he it might have been. They just borrowed this cat design from something else they were working on. <laughs> hmm, hmm. Um, this uh, I, I did like when when he gets chased by the train. Yeah. When this starts happening, because this is actually this feels again like the sort of thing that happens in a dream. He's a, a train, like smoke starts building up behind him and it turns out there's a train chasing him. <laughs> like an old timey locomotive is just chasing him for, yeah. Okay, you know, um, did you ever see wrongfully? A key- <laughs> oh, so, you know, he like, he gets to his house and he slams the door and he's like, and his mother is in the ho- in the kitchen cooking. And he's like, mom, we got to get out of here. This train is coming. And his mother like completely ignores him with her, her back turned to him, still just cooking. And it's like, that is an extremely like dream thing to happen. Like, I think I've had that exact experience happen in like nightmares multiple times as a kid. So um, yeah, so this whole bit was good. Uh, I was really hoping that he would run over to him and be like, Mom, we gotta go. And she'd turn to face him and she was the train. <laughs> she turned like, I'm not mom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, did, did you ever see you know, the movie Wrongfully Accused? No, I haven't. Uh it's a parody of the fugitive with uh with Leslie Nielsen. And you know how there's that in the movie, the, the fugitive, there's a scene where his train derails and he has to jump out of the way while he's uh, while he's in handcuffs and everything mm-hmm. in, in wrongfully accused. They take that to the next level and he gets out of the train as it's as it's derailing and the train follows him <laughs> and he's and he makes a turn and the and the train turns too And at one <laughs> point he th- he thinks he's lost it and he peeks out from behind a train. And then suddenly the train peeks out from behind another tree. Uh, yeah. That, that's, that sounds pretty amusing actually. Yeah. It was, it's, it's worth the price of the movie. <laughs> which is, which is saying a lot. Cause usually with uh post airplane, Leslie Nielsen movies, they're, they're, they're a mixed bag, you know? Yeah. 
know, there's always, you know, there's always a really good moment, but sometimes the really good moment isn't as long as this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one thing that was weird about this is I felt like, okay, we've established there's something about a train chasing him, right? Mm -hmm. So is Little Nemo scared of trains? Is this going to be a thing? And trains do come up again, but they're not really, they're not like a motif or anything. It's not like he has any special connection with trains. It's just a thing. Yeah, and, as a matter of fact, he specifically says, I love trains. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a big problem with this movie is I feel like things happen, but there's no uh, cohesion because there, I would assume like in this opening nightmare, it should have some relevant, it should be like a Chekhov's gun of some sort and establish something that later Nemo will, we, he's afraid of a thing. He needs to overcome it later in the movie. Eh, not really. It's just showing us how a dream works. So I would actually, uh, I'm pretty sure that this short was not intended to be part of the movie. I think oh. that it was a pilot to show here's what the movie we want to do. And then they got people to sign on for it. And then they tacked it onto the front as a sort of short because after this, you get the little Nemo logo and then the actual plot begins. Right. Did you notice, for example, that in the dream, in the initial dream, Icarus isn't there. Oh, you're right. He isn't. Um, I did think that was a little weird when suddenly Icarus is introduced. I was like, Oh, okay. Um, Icarus is Little Nemo's flying squirrel who wears a little aviator helmet. Um, is Icarus part of the comic strip? I never saw him in the comic strip. I think he's new to the movie. And I okay. think, you know, I feel like he is a deleterious part of the story. He, he doesn't do anything. He's basically like, well, you could tell they were like, look, we want to make this Disney quality. So we need a cute little animal sidekick. You know, he's, he's like Falcon. Abu, but worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, did Abu, ha Abu, in theory, did have some influence on the plot because Abu, you know, stole the gem that caused the Cave of Wonders to collapse mm -hmm. and trap Aladdin down there. So at least he did something. Yeah. Icarus, has, you could cut him, he would, he adds nothing. He does nothing. Um, he's the just one, there to be Yeah, cute. the one thing he does is hold up the instruction sheet for Nemo. That is the major thing. But... <sighs> yeah, you know what? Okay, we, there's issues with that. But, but I, we'll get to that when we get to that. <laughs> um, so little Nemo wakes up and he's... Uh, okay, and a couple things about his... We learn once he wakes up. He He's... I guess it's 1910, just like the comic strip. Uh-huh. It's taking place in that kind of nebulous time period that I think of as the old-timey days. Uh, it's sort of Main Street Disney times. Yes, and, very much so. Yeah, and his dad is Edgar Allan Poe, so <laughs> that's cool. Um, and there's a circus in town that he wants to see, so... Um, yeah, we get to see the circus parade. He runs straight from his house to uh, see the circus parade. And there's all these characters in it. There is a calliope player and all these clowns. And this one clown who goes by on a ball. And then a ringmaster or something who offers Nemo right on his horse. And I see what they're doing here. They're trying to do the sort of Wizard of Oz thing. where Because they all resemble characters he's going to meet later on in Slumberland. Yeah. Um, but see, I feel that that if you wanted to make that hard of a division between the dream world and the real world, then you shouldn't have included a flying squirrel who wears an aviator's cap and can talk. Yeah, very good point there. Uh, <laughs> that kind of just 
you know, if that kind of destroys the separation between fantasy and reality in this. Um, the other thing about this is I, I, I mean, I, a lot of dream media, I, I keep saying dream media, like <laughs> that's a thing, um, but like movies and about dreams and yeah. you have this thing very often where there are real people and then characters who appear in the dreams are their parallels or doppelgangers. And that's a fairly standard thing. But I feel like this doesn't do it very well because basically what we're doing is Nemo, he sees these uh, clowns in a parade once. They they have no impact on his life. They're not people he know because, you know, and he dreams about them. But usually you would be like the people in your dreams are going to be parallels of people who are important in your life. So it's going to be like, oh, you know, your mom and dad and the workers on the farm, you know. And, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like people who like the villain in your dream is going to actually be, oh, it's the bully from school in real life. But, you know, a, a taller version of him. And I'm going to defeat him in my dream. It'll give me the courage to face him in real life or something like that. Um, yes. He, he didn't again, see like a I don't know. There wasn't like a mean principal who was the nightmare king and there was nobody that even resembled the oomps. So. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing is like there really is no it is literally Little Nemo having a dream. He learns nothing from it. It doesn't cause any changes to happen in his real waking life. He doesn't, you know, which is kind kind of a letdown because that's yeah. what you kind of expect in in dream media. I'm gonna coin yeah. it. I mean, that's the thing. I'm gonna say from now on, dream media. Dream media, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, so yeah, he he sees the the cl clowns. He sees the ringmaster. Uh, he wants to go to the circus, but his dad is like, uh, maybe tomorrow, and. Um, maybe that's the conflict. His dad is too busy to take him to the circus. Oh boy. No, that's how they sold these. You know, that makes me so angry. So many things. They have to add that plot point that there's a dad with no time for his kids. That's the only way any producer will buy any children's book is if you guilt them over how little time they spend with their kids. Like well, that's what they yeah. did to Mr. Popper's penguins. That's what they did to fantastic Mr. Fox. Well, you know, network executives just assume that, like, everybody hates spending time with their kids as much as they do. Oh, man, that, that Onion article about the CEO who quits his job to spend more time with his possessions. But that's <laughs> <what> <laughs> oh, relatable, though. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize that they put that that thing into Mr. Popper's Penguins, but, like, I guess it makes sense. There's only, yeah. like, four Hollywood plots, and that's, like, two of them right there. Yeah, because um, he's, you know... Have you ever read the book, Mr. Popper's Penguins? Yeah, I loved that book when I was a kid. It's a, it is a still a delight, but Mr. Popper is a poor house painter. He doesn't have a fucking corner office. Well, yeah, they had to change it because they're like, kids aren't going to appreciate. The kids don't want a story about a guy who's a painter. They want an interesting thing, like a guy who works in an office and wears a tie. Hey, hey ch how are children ever supposed to identify with a character who's poor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like I obviously I like the part in the book where um, he's trying to get a license for Captain Cook and he has to talk to someone on the phone about it. That part's really funny. <laughs> I mean, legitimately, it is funny. Um, that that has nothing it to do with so anything. Funny, I yeah. just remembered it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, so um, oh my gosh, what where, where were we? Uh, oh, the, uh, the we dad were... doesn't have time to go to the circus. So yeah, so, somebody Nemo. doesn't. They don't have time to go to the circus, and then there's something about a pie. That's right. Apparently he eats, he steals his mom's pie and eats it, I guess. So he can do the, Oh, Oh, it was the pie. Ooh, <laughs> oh. Um, 
but she um yeah like i i so she's saying don't eat pie before before you go to sleep and there's a sequence where he has he's sleepwalking to get the pie but i'm he's not faking sure he's sleepwalking actually, yeah is he faking it is he faking yeah. it okay i thought so um and the mom puts a, a, a note on the, the, the ice box, like, uh, remember your promise. The promise is not to eat pie. So um, anyway, uh, speaking of Chekhov's gun, that'll come into play again later. Um, uh-huh. As one of the only things that is established and later on pays off in this movie. Uh, but anyway, so Little Nemo goes to sleep and he is visited in his dreams by a... Uh, 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 a, a, a guy, a professor, in a professor big genius, hat. yes, professor genius, and uh, Bon Bon, who is his like, uh, I guess his clown manservant. Yeah, and... Bon Bon shows up here and then disappears in the second half of the movie. Yeah, I'm actually disappointed because I actually kind of, I, I kind of liked Bon Bon as a character. She has a very, she has a very good design, at least. I, yes. I like that they included her in the NES game, actually. So that was that's nice. the thing is when she showed up, I I saw her because she's got this kind of like cute like urchiny clown thing going on yeah she's yeah like, she's uh and she's kind of um you know she doesn't do much but just from her very short um uh appearance in this film i kind of like built up oh i was like i i can tell exactly what kind of character this is this is going to be a, a slightly mischievous kind of tomboy type character um she's probably going to be jealous that uh nemo is like falling for the princess you know, and, and, and cause some like knuckleheaded shenanigans. And in the end, uh, maybe, uh, prove to be a better friend to, to Nemo than, uh, than all these richos in, uh, royalty. I mean, I thought that's where it was going to go, but like, she kind of just disappears. That's very interesting. I wonder if there was a version of the script where she basically played the role that Flip does in this one. Yeah, actually, I, I, I feel like that would have been, well, I feel like she would have really she would have slotted into that role really well and kind of more naturally than Flip because Flip is kind of pigeon kind of shoehorned in, you know. Yeah. Um but I don't I've never quite I mean, I've never quite understood that about Flip always seems like he's in the wrong place, like he has to introduce himself. That that even happens in the in the Nintendo game, as I've mentioned, the first thing you do is Flip comes up and walks to you, walks over to you and says, hey, kid, this is this is Slumberland. If you share your candy with monsters, they might help you. By the way, my name is Flip. And then he disappears and never <laughs> seen <him> again. <laughs> That's important because Little Nemo does spend like two thirds of this movie just asking people who they are. <laughs> so, he's kind of, where am i who are you what's going on <laughs> he's like uh he's like admiral stockdale or whatever that guy's name was so who you, you know ross Perot's running mate who's like where oh. am i oh <laughs> uh, that's a deep cut that ask is your a kids deep cut. parents i, I don't ask know. your parents kids <laughs> ask your kids parents. <laughs> <laughs> ask your kids because they've been looking at ross Perot's original uh original game plan from 1992 and been like, why didn't we elect this guy? This was all great stuff. Kids. Let me tell you, kids, kids love Ross Perot. They're just, they're <laughs> super into him now. You know, he's back in pog form. Um, <laughs> Parog form. Oh yeah. Pierogies. Ooh. I know. Uh, yeah. That's that. I'd go for that. Some Ross Perot. still the Kishka. <laughs> So anyway, uh, what was Professor happening? Genius oh, so and Bon Bon have arrived. Genius and bon bon. Yes. And what is them? And they want to. 
invite Little Nemo to Slumberland. To yes, he. They have an official invite to be the princess's royal playmate, which is funny because I looked at the picture at the looked at the letter they were reading and they spelled playmate wrong. They spelled it with an I. <laughs> oh, you want well. to be your playmate? Oh, sorry, she wrote this. She's not a very good speller. <laughs> uh, yeah, I this, and that's when little Neo is like, I don't want to play with no girl, and um, then they kind of freak out because it's like, oh my god, nobody's ever not uh, accepted a royal summons. And but she like, sent well, you a big box of cookies. Oh, okay, I'll come. Yeah, I mean that's kind of funny. So I mean I'm not like uh, yeah. So I that's fine. Uh, this is probably the most character development we get for Little Nemo in the entire movie. Is that he, it, like many small boys, doesn't want to play with no girl, but like otherwise he's he he doesn't he is a completely reactive character. He never does anything himself. He, he just, just kind of gets careened around and reacts to things as they come. Stimulus yeah. response. Stimulus response. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, in fact, um, when we were looking up about this movie, this movie was pitched to George Lucas, and that was the exact reason that he passed on it, was Little Nemo was just not a very compelling character. Which is pretty amazing when you think that the guy who like thought like Jar Jar Binks was the greatest character to grace the silver screen was like, no, nah, this is no good. This was no good. So it's like, <laughs> hey, hey. Apparently George is a little sharper than we thought. Uh, but anyway, um, so they want him to become playmate to the Royal, to, to the princess. And um, he's like, doesn't want to. And you'd think they'd just be like, all right, well, we'll just go to the next house. Cause since we literally picked you randomly, but um, <laughs> I mean, that is a thing. He is, it is literally just a random pick. There's nothing about little Nemo that causes them to pick him. Yeah. It's it's not like, you know, how Milo got the toll booth because he had plenty of time and wasn't didn't know what to do with his life. It was just like, you know, we pick you, you won this lottery. You can turn it down if you want, but maybe they that but it's just, you know, you can't turn this down. It's just not done. It's so a yeah. tooth. Yeah. It's um you know, I mean, I I feel like um Picking just the the randomness of Little Nemo. I mean, it could have worked. I think they would have had to kind of play it up. You know, Little Nemo would be, me? I'm just an ordinary kid. How could I be picked? Ah, oh, we'll show. When you go to Slumberland, you'll find that you have inner uh, metal or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll find your strengths will come out. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The, the theme of the movie will be part of your character arc. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he decides he does like cookies. So he is going to go and be playmates with the princess. Yes. And especially since he gets to write in a dirigible. A dirigible. A dirigible. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is, I mean, okay, it's 1901. So yes, that is an exciting modern thing. But at the same time, the fact that they keep calling it a dirigible almost seems like a joke. Yeah, I, I like it. Is that how you pronounce it? Isn't it dirigible, not dirigible? I've, I've always called it a dirigible. Uh, not that I, not that I use that word a whole lot. I mean, uh, I, I can't. I mean, I, just the other day, I saw like I looked up in the sky. And I was like, check it out, dirigible. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, um, I remember. We were like, well, don't you mean a dirigible? <laughs> the grooves in the dirigible. Oh shit! No, that's not right. Sorry, I completely fucked up the joke because the, the title of the song doesn't have D-Light in it. It's oh. the band. Fuck. Okay, moving Sky on. Sky rockets in flight 
Afternoon dirigible. <laughs> there you go. See, you, you saved it. You saved it. <laughs> anyway, um, the dirigible. So Nemo gets to fly in a dirigible, and the the Alan Oppenheimer captain is like, "Why don't you steer?" <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Yeah, Mister Slate." He's like, "Oh, you're steering it wrong, Flintstone." And uh, so you're going to steer us right into the nightmare. Oh, but then we don't. Um, but this is, I guess, foreshadowing that there is a nightmare. This is going to be the villain of the movie. Yeah, there's um, a there's a nightmare that you pass through on the way to Dreamland or Slumberland. At, but there's also a door in Slumberland that will lead you right there in case you wanted to go there for some reason. Oh, wait, does the door? Wait a minute. No, no, no. The door doesn't go to Nightmare Land. Because if it did, they wouldn't need Flip's map. They 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 know right. Oh, so I, so they have like how how did this work? I mean, there okay. there was so, so what there, I my understanding is there is a nightmare land, there is a nightmare which is in the sky, and there is a nightmare king who is behind that door. And I guess when they let him out, maybe he goes back to nightmare land. I I guess so, but there's. So what was the nightmare that they passed through? Was that Nightmare Land or was that just um, like a free-floating nightmare? I thought that it was the Nightmare King because it seemed to have glowing red eyes. Yeah, I was, saw his eyes. Yeah, but if he was trapped behind the door, then I don't know what that was. Um, I think that was too many script writers. That's what it was. Um, I hope someone got fired over that blunder. A um, lot of people got fired over a lot of blunders in this movie. So <laughs> you, you get your wish. <laughs> oh, my Kokoro wish comes true. Um, okay. So, so little Nemo managed to get them into Slumberland, and, um, and oh, everyone's greeting him. There's people yeah. flying on balloons. They're all waving. They're like, hooray for Nemo. And I'm just like, Hey, this is Pontiful Pock. Oh my god, it really is, actually. <laughs> he just needs to fly. If he only he was on a piano instead of a dirigible, it's basically the same thing. Um, you know, the the look again, the look of this is really nice. It really captures that that, you know, turn of the century comic strip look. Uh, yeah. if you've ever read Little Nemo in Slumberland, the kind of uh carnival look of slumberland um with, there's this know, very unique kind of there's a coloration that you normally only get with like aged newsprint that they managed yeah. to capture here but it doesn't look you know washed out or gross it looks like no. this is what it was supposed to look like when it was new yeah i mean and everybody is dressed everybody's dressed as like harlequins and acrobats and uh they're riding around on zebras and ostriches and yeah. you know it's i mean it's it's all very nice. It's 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 very um, it, it's it's beautiful to look at. Um, and then of course uh, this is where we meet Flip. For the, he introduces himself for the first time. Uh, Flip is a clown. He's he's got like he's kind of like a hobo clown. He's kind and, of a hobo clown. There's a little bit of uh, blackface to him, but mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily intentional so much as just you know if you paint a clown face the wrong way it starts to look like blackface because let's let's face it blackface is a clown act yeah also i mean uh, i gotta say this was a japanese production so if if they (laughs) wanted to go racist they could have gone a lot worse yeah i mean mean, it's actually (laughs) it's actually uh surprising they didn't go worse yeah uh because especially when you read the original comics (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. Well, 1910, it was different. People didn't realize yeah. that racism was bad at that point. Well, what I should say is certain people didn't realize it, by which I mean white people. But, yes. you know, which I say as if I'm not one of them. God, mm. white people, am I right? Yeah. We fucking suck. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, let's, yeah. True. It should be it should be acknowledged that we are recording this on Martin Luther King Day. So we would like to acknowledge the uh, role that white supremacism has had in giving us the comfort that is required to be able to record a podcast every week. And we, yeah. we acknowledge that and we want, we will do our best to uh, help, uh, help to equalize things in the future. But yes, but that's not yeah. what we're talking about today. So. No, t- today we're talking about um, this clown who <laughs> is, he flies on the back of a crow and, and the crow, giant crow. Cr- the crow is clearly Jeremy from uh, secret of Nim too. So there's yeah, another, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I do. The crow is, I mean, and uh, he basically, he shows up. He's like, you know, he's a, he's kind of a hobo. He's got like a big top hat. He's got a big cigar and he's all like, hey, a kid, I'm Flip. I love to have fun and and cause uh, trouble. If you want to have fun, come hang out with me. See you later, kid. And that's like, that's me, Flip. Later. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like all right and and nemo's like who was that and professor genius is like that was flip a most disagreeable individual i warn you stay away from him <laughs> and it's like all right well we've established that flip is going to be important in this movie so good um flip is a flip. cross between lampwick from pinocchio and the humbug yes yes that exactly um, I think he's who's it's Mickey Rooney voicing. Yes, uh, it's Mickey Flip, Rooney basically playing himself. Yeah, but uh, Flip is the best character in this entire movie. He's the only character with any personality and any agency. So, <laughs> oh yeah, you're right, definitely. Which again, this is also a little unfortunate because I feel like Flip does not have the arc that I would expect because I would expect it would kind of end with him being forced to, um, you know, assume some, you know, kind of. Like he's a jokester and he just wants to have fun. But at the end, he's got to take on responsibility to help his friends and get them out of this mess he got them into. And that doesn't really happen. No. Um, At at no point do you really feel like Flip is doing what he is, what he, what good he does do. He never, you never feel like it's of his own accord. He does not, he does not change. Yes. In fact, Um, does anyone change? Nope. No. I don't. I, I do not believe anyone changes in this movie. Uh, or, I mean, it's hard to tell though because, like we said, there there's so little character development in this film. Um, but so if, you know, if we don't know who these characters are going in, it's hard to say if they're any different at the end. Um, <laughs> well put. Well put. Um, but anyway, so flip. So then they they land and. Um, uh, little Nemo is going to be introduced to the king, but the king is not there. So um, Professor Genius is all like, uh, uh, stay here. We're going to find the king. And then Flip shows up again. Have I skipped something? I feel like there's more stuff happens before Flip returns. Maybe uh, there's a song. No, I don't. Yeah, there's probably a song, but you know, you know, we're this may be a musical, but we're not going to sing for you people. So we're going to skip right through the songs. Yeah, this, the songs are instantly forgettable. The songs this, are B.A.D. Bad. Yeah. This is, this is like you said, this was right before The Little Mermaid or contemporaneous with The Little Mermaid. So at this point, most people do not realize that song, you could put good music into animated features. 
because I remember seeing The Little Mermaid and being like, holy shit, this music slaps. I've never heard music that slaps in a cartoon. What's up with it? You know, like prior to The Little Mermaid, the best song in a cartoon, in an animated movie, and and, and I mean the single best song is um, the one in Disney's Robin Hood where they... Oh. oh, which one? Oh, where there's a whoop, there's a way. Yeah. Oh, fuck! I changed it. Changing. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I was gonna say the uh, the shitty king of England, but no, where there's a whoop, there's a way is much better. That is the old, that is the pinnacle of animated music <laughs> prior to the Little Mermaid. Um. So yeah, there's a song I guess or something, but but Flip returns and it's like, hey kid, you want to come with me? We're gonna go have some fun, <laughs> and, and um. Yeah, then they just kind of wander off and there's yeah, this... yeah, Flip leads him to this secret passage that only he knows about and oh, that that's when they get into the upside down room. Uh, yeah, that is really cool. I really like it, but it doesn't do anything. No. This feel this is why I sort of wondered if this movie was based on the game rather than the other way around because so much of this feels like, hey, we took a level from the game and made it into a brief scene in the movie. But instead, they took the brief scenes from the movie and made them into a whole level in the game. Hmm. Was the is the so is the game any good? I've never actually played it. The game is great. That's it's actually yeah. I would say it's the best Nemo thing, after the strip and before this movie. So hmm. well, I guess there's not many Nemo things when you think about. No, it. No, there isn't. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, there's a scene. There is a whole thing in the Nemo game where you go through a house that's completely upside down and then there's one where you go through your own house one where you're in the sea one where you are in in the king's train set and hmm. so yeah pretty much the whole the whole movie gets uh, explored in one way or another but I don't I forget if the king himself ever actually shows up so oh weird um yeah I mean that is unfortunate because this upside down world is is pretty cool like what what they did was you know the whole room is upside down so furniture is on the ceiling and they're kind of they they basically jump onto a ta- uh, under a table yeah and, and their weight starts to lift the table and it's really cool how they managed to work out the physics of the gravity holding this 200 pound table up versus uh the 150 pound flip and the uh, 40 pound nemo yeah and I, it's also cool because it also establishes that, like, look, these aren't just staple, no, taped to the ceiling. These are literally anti-gravity tables who, for some reason, like, go up while while we go down. So yeah. it's a neat little thing. The way it is very neat. Um, but then, yeah, Nemo falls. He slides on a banister, and then he's in a room with lots of toys. And yes. This is where we meet uh, the king, King Morpheus of Slumberland. Yes, who first appears in who first appears wearing a little engineer costume. So Morf- King Morpheus has the second most amount of personality in that he is just a big kid himself in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's the thing. He he shows up. He's dressed like an engineer. He's kind of like a big jolly guy with a big white beard. You know, Santa Claus type. Yes. Um, his and he and Nemo is... hit it off immediately. Yes. Um, I think his personality is very much like the, the Sultan in Aladdin, you know, like yeah. that kind of guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they do hit it off because uh, we know that Aladdin, sorry, not Aladdin, uh, Little Nemo, <laughs> Little Nemo loves trains, as established by his horrible nightmare of a train earlier in the movie. Um, and you know, the train, like, so he helps the the king like fix uh, his little um, 
uh, uh, model train and then they ride it around. And this whole sequence is actually kind of charming. It's it's kind of cute because it, it's a good cute meet for Nemo and, and the king. It really does establish, like you said, the king's character a little bit. So Yeah, um, and it really drives home that Nemo and the king have a lot of chemistry, whereas Nemo and the princess that he's about to meet have zero chemistry. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's, I guess that's why, they're like, look, we need to establish that he's... He's got a connection with the king because it's he's going to have to rescue the king at some point later in the film. So we need to do that. But yeah, um, there, there's no chemistry when he meets the princess. Um, and it makes just... <laughs> and it makes their forced kiss seem all the more forced. Oh, my God. Yeah. In fact, they never do they ever like. Why is there a kiss at the end? Oh, because it's like, we got to make sure we got everyone to know Nemo's not gay. He's got the not gays. There's really like that kiss. There's no reason to be in this movie, you know? Um, And that they actually throw that into the game too. It might've actually been part of the script where Nemo says, oh, okay. I guess I'll go play with a girl as long as I don't have to kiss her. (laughs) Well, at least there's more, at least there's more buildup in the game. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing like that in this it's like you know what in the end when they kiss uh, there's no there's no build-up there's no chemistry it's just it's just you watching you're like ah, look at the cishets forcing their sexuality down our throats you know <laughs> got they mean, gotta put it into everything it's so gross isn't it about time you had your first kiss you're almost eight yeah <laughs> yeah seriously how old is Nemo in this I have no idea. He's anywhere between seven and ten, but uh, I don't. Uh, he is definitely not old enough to, uh, you know, to even have pubes. So he is going. This this Nemo is going to be canceled by uh, by by those um, the twi- the um, the age discourse on Twitter. So, <laughs> but anyway, so let's talk about. I guess he meets the king, and now he's got to meet the princess. So yeah. or is there anything that happens between meeting King and meeting princess? I, I don't remember. Oh yeah. There is so. an important, there is an important thing. And I completely missed it the first time and had to rewind that yeah. now that the King and Nemo were such good friends, he says, you know, the real reason I invited you here is to become my heir. He says, Oh my God. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> You're going to be my sole heir. And it's like, dude, dude, you have a daughter, right? I Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay. He's like, I have a daughter, but instead I'm going to pick a child at random and make them my heir. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Um, mm, uh, you would think this would make it, that might, you would think that would make Nemo's relationship with the princess kind of awkward, but uh, yeah. not, not really. I mean, um, I mean, maybe Did, that's why the kisses. Because look, if you're gonna my heir, you have to marry my daughter. But that's not really brought up or established. And yeah, fact, they never no. bring that up. They coronate Nemo, in fact, without any sort of marriage happening. So, um, yeah. But anyway, he's gonna be the king of Slumberland. So, yeah. Um, good, good for him. Uh, Way to go, Nemo! You got everything you wanted with no effort. Yeah, it's like. Why is this movie continuing? Why is there more movie after this? Um, Remember, Charlie, don't forget what happened to the boy who got everything he ever wanted. What happened to him? He lived happily ever after. <laughs> yeah, that actually does happen in this, I think. <laughs> K- yeah. Kind of? Sort of, but maybe. Yeah. 
So, yeah, there's a meet cute with the king, and then there's a meet very awkward with the princess. Where wait, wait, the... I just realized... Oh, sorry. One second. Huh? I just realized we're coming up in an hour. Should we, we are... talk talk about the princess in, in episode two of Little Nemo in Slumberland? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Hey, let's do hey, it. Guess what? Hey, let's have, let's give them a preview. Coming up next in our next episode on Little Nemo in Slumberland... Uh, the actual plot of the movie actually comes up. <laughs> uh, eventually. There as, will be. As, <laughs> as we enter hour five monsters. of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's cool slime monsters. And I'm probably going to bring up the Nintendo game a few times because I played that about 10 times as much as I ever watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so join us next time for Little Nemo in Slumberland 2 Nemo Harder. <laughs> Electric Nimaloo. <laughs> oh, right. the secret of Nimus. Oh, nice, nice. All right. I'll, all right.